Hello, and welcome to Grain Insight, a CN update on getting your grain to market. I'm Stacy McCracken, and joining me is David Shednovic, Director of Sales and Marketing. David, today we want to look at CN in Wisconsin, some history and some present-day activity. Thanks, Stacy. The trackage extending north of Chicago into Wisconsin and into Upper Michigan was acquired by the CN in 2001. It was the Wisconsin Central, whose predecessor lines began construction in the early 1870s. Over time, the multitude of carriers here coalesced into three carriers with intertwined ownership. Two were controlled by Canadian Pacific, and one of those two controlled the third, the original Wisconsin Central. The three consolidated in 1960 into the Sioux Line, with CP retaining control. This carrier was one of four railroads competing for traffic from Chicago to Minneapolis-St. Paul and Duluth-Superior. In 1985, the Sioux Line grew by acquiring one of those competitors, the Milwaukee Road. This created some redundancies in Wisconsin, including two main lines between Chicago and Minneapolis-St. Paul. The economics of railroading in Upper Wisconsin and Upper Michigan were becoming challenged, so Sioux Line tried to create a railroad within a railroad in 1986. The hope for economics never materialized, so the property was put up for sale in 1987. So how did the modern-day Wisconsin Central come to be? In 1987, a handful of senior railroad executives and bankers revived the Wisconsin Central name and acquired the property from the Sioux Line. Local railroaders were drawn from Chicago Northwestern, the Milwaukee Road, and the Sioux Line. One would have thought this might cause friction between the different parties, but however, the railroad faced serious issues right off the mark when all car location records and waybill information did not successfully transfer its startup. But everybody pulling together to pull the company out of its predicament is credited with creating an esprit de corps, and the WC would go on to be a very successful property. As time went on, the WC added trackage as its neighbors retrenched. Soon it was the dominant railroad in Upper Wisconsin and in Upper Michigan. It also had the shortest rail route between Duluth Superior and Chicago. This was also a major gap in CN's network, and CN turned to WC in the late 1990s to fit the bill. WC first began moving whole trains for CN, but soon began intermingling CN traffic into WC trains. Eventually, CN outright purchased the WC in 2001. A property that had once been in CP's control just 14 years prior was now an integral part of CN. CN also acquired some other property in Wisconsin. Can you go into those details a bit? Now, CN purchased the EJ&E from U.S. Steel in 2009, but CN and U.S. Steel completed another transaction back in 2004. The CN had a single-track main line, which was the former DWP, or Duluth, Winnipeg, and Pacific subsidiary, between the U.S.-Canadian border at Rainier, Minnesota, and Duluth. Trains had to use the Duluth, Misabi, and Iron Range Railway Company, or DM&IR, to get from the end of the DWP to the Wisconsin Central, as the two did not connect themselves. Also, the DWP was getting congested. The purchase of the DM&IR from U.S. Steel created a continuous route for CN through Duluth Superior. It, in effect, created double track for half the distance from Duluth up to the border and made CN a major iron ore hauler. CN also acquired the Great Lakes Fleet, the Iron Ore Docks, and the Bessemer and Lake Erie Railroad in Pennsylvania. With these acquisitions, CN was now deep into the iron ore supply chain. David, can you describe a bit of the history of the Great Lakes Fleet? In 1901, Great Lakes Fleet brought together 112 vessels from six steamship companies into one line, the largest commercial fleet in the world at the time. By 1906, GLF had introduced the first of the 600-foot-long ships to the Great Lakes. By 1912, it had launched its first self-unloading vessel, a full seven decades before self-unloaders became the standard of the industry. Radar was installed fleet-wide by 1950, the same year GLF carried its billionth ton of cargo. And in 1967, GLF defied critics, demonstrating that winter navigation was indeed possible on the Great Lakes. Through its history, Great Lakes Fleet has been an industry pioneer and leader on the Great Lakes, 
and in 1968, the keel was laid for the first super ship in the industry, the Thousand Footers. Today, the CN fleet is comprised of nine vessels, of which three are Thousand Footers. And what does CN's iron ore supply chain look like? Well, once an iron ore pellet is loaded into a CN train in Minnesota, the train takes it to the CN ore docks at either Duluth or Two Harbors, Minnesota, where it can be loaded onto a CN laker. If the ore is destined to the U.S. steel mill at Gary, Indiana, the vessel takes it directly there. If the ore is destined to U.S. steel near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the ore is unloaded at a CN dock at Conneaut, Ohio, then moved by a CN train to near Pittsburgh, where the railroad still owned by U.S. steel takes over and moves it the last few miles to the mill. Thanks for your time, David. And thank you for listening to Grain Insight, an update from CN. (laughs) 